0: you just heard is dog of war by the hell yeah babies which means i'm nick bond i'm david Gibb, and this is how wrestling explains the world super exciting episode today dave oh super duper in fact oh god shoot me for saying that
1: but i (laughs) am excited about
0: uh not just because we're going to be talking about the super bowl but because we have a guest guest introduce yourself i'm mark masick from the home of the super bowl champs
2: philadelphia
0: you're not from philadelphia you Uh live in philadelphia Super
2: Bowl champs. Can't remember the last time New York won a championship, baby.
0: <laughs> I hate you so much. Mark, uh, for those who don't know, is a Philly boy from Long Island, right? Is that is that how you're usually introduced on podcasts? A real Philly guy from Long Island. <laughs> That's what it is. And uh, we have you on because you're a former sports writer for the Philadelphia Inquirer. And... Um, I forgot the other reason. Oh, right. (laughs) Your book. You have a book coming out, right? Yeah, baby. Coming out this week for Groundhog
2: Day, Kaboom 2, the sequel to the worldwide phenomenon, Kaboom 1 it'll be dropping uh, at the end of this week, and I encourage everyone to first pick up the first one and then read the second one. Can I jump in to
1: say I could not agree more. I have read the first. I am eagerly anticipating the sequel, and I gotta say, I'm glad you jumped out right away and clarified that it's Kaboom 2, because the way you've been stylizing it when you're typing it, it, it's been all the vowels are 2, so it's like K, 2, B, 2, 2, M. So in my head, I've been like, is it like K two boom two is it like like I I don't know so I'm glad you just stepped out and clarified that right away I was I was really excited to have you on the air so that like you could answer that question without me having to like awkwardly you know ask it through any back channel ways
2: I mean it's the, uh, the classic Derek it's Jeter about respect spelling. right yes, exactly it's the classic Derek Jeter spelling of respect I don't see <laughs> what weird about it at all. <laughs>
0: And uh, we wanted to start with a shout out. Dave wanted to do a shout out for a new member of the Sexy Wizard Army.
1: Oh, yes, indeed. It is a new uh, member of the Sexy Wizard Army, but certainly a longtime Sexy Wizard in every other conceivable uh, interpretation of the term. Uh, And that would be Michael Montalvo, a a longtime friend of mine or an old friend of mine. I don't know how you're supposed to say these things anymore. That, That thing when you're getting old and you grew up with somebody. Uh, But he is a a great guy, a true patron of the arts and a scholar among men, uh, someone who's been thinking at a much higher level as uh, long as I've known him. And he demonstrated that once again by giving us some money. There's really no better way to demonstrate uh, your intellect and your, your love of the arts than doing such. But uh, I was really overjoyed to see that uh, Monty, as we used to call him back in the day, that uh, Monty reached out and uh, gave us a little dough on Patreon. I'm excited to see what topic he suggests for us to uh, vamp on in the future. So welcome to the sexy Wizard Army, Mr. Montalvo. You have taken the seat that always truly was yours, and I'm excited for you to be on this uh, roller coaster headed into the future.
0: And uh, we actually – Mark is a, a, um, a Patreon, uh, though I think it's a nice way to introduce him through the, our first topic that we want to talk about, which is uh, why the both the Super Bowl and, to, and something like the Royal Rumble are so effective for casual and lapsed fans. Mark, why do you think that people love the Super Bowl so much uh, that don't watch football? Um, well, I wrote down my five
2: favorite things about the Super Bowl, so maybe it's the same reasons as – as this, you think? Yeah,
0: yeah, probably. You, you. Would. Yeah, definitely every man type. <laughs>
1: definitely.
2: Yeah, my, fi- I mean, I wrote that my well, the n- number five reason for liking the Super Bowl is friendship because you get to spend times with your friends. Um, number four reason is enemies because you keep your en- friends close, but your enemies closer. Um, number three reason that I think casual fans like the Super Bowl is the troops. Um, that's a big part of the Super Bowl two reason, and this is actually lower on my list before last year is the rioting that happens when the your city wins the Super Bowl. I had a lot of fun doing that last year, and I think the number one reason that casual fans like the Super Bowl is and twins
0: <laughs> so do you mean commercials or do you mean uh the exploitation of women? Uh, in a hyper-masculine space.
2: I'm talking about the specific commercial, which actually, when I realized doing my research before, did not debut on the Super Bowl, featuring the twins. But overall, commercials featuring babes, I think, is uh, a big draw for the casual viewer. (laughs)
0: Dave? Dave? why do you think people like the royal rumble and uh wrestlemania like what do you think the royal rumble and the super bowl have in common in terms of for lapsed fans in particular not casual fans but lapsed
1: fans well i think the appeal or at least part of the appeal of, of both of them is that you can just like dip right in and feel like you know just enough about that thing to participate in the normal culture for the rest of the year like even if you you don't really watch football or don't know that much about sports you can at least like casually watch the the Super Bowl and then like for the next year you can be like oh yeah David Tyree that was a great catch you know what I mean like it's a it's a good reference point and it's like if you're a lapsed fan or a non fan of wrestling or someone who just knows like a minimal amount about it, you can just dip into a Royal Rumble and literally see the whole roster in one night and be like, oh, I like that guy, that guy's still around, that's really cool, oh, I didn't know that, you know, I'd never heard of this person or whatever, so I think it's like a, a great way to kind of get the the joy of fandom and, and to kind of build a knowledge base that you can use to to pretend that you're way more aware of things for the next year.
0: Uh, yeah, and that's something we talked about with the Royal Rumble is you can just jump in and you're like, cool, I know some of these people, in the same way that, uh, for instance, this year you have Tom Brady. You may not know Sean McVay and Jared Goff and the rest of the Rams. You may not even know that the Rams have moved from St. Louis to L.A., but you do know Tom Brady, and you do know Bill Belichick, and you do know the New England Patriots, and – and that is for a lot of people. And you know whether or not they're good or bad. You can just show up and be like, okay, I don't like these guys, or I like these guys. I'm going to root for them without it being a thing where you have to then like name every single person on the Patriots. Like, no one's going to give you a hard time. If you come to a Super Bowl party and are like, I don't really care who wins or like, I, I, who should I root for? People, in my experience, don't really give you that hard of a time. They're just happy you're there because you're their excuse to eat wings. Like you are allowing them to gorge themselves while watching grown men try to murder each other. And I think that's really what pulls people
1: into the Super Bowl uh so that's the that's the friends and enemies to get back to mark's list
0: yes exactly i think mark's list is a lot lot more prescient than we realize um the troops though i i think
1: (laughs) they always find the biggest flag that you'll see all year i'll give them credit for that and it's always very proudly presented by the troops i don't want to be casting aspersions on the troops that's obviously i have great respect for that but uh the troops are a big part of football. It's pretty undeniable. But they do uh, want so- to do
2: politics out of football, at least. You know.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I really, I really enjoyed uh, the season that Colin Kaepernick had because you know he's like still in his athletic prime. Yeah, I, I'm glad they did a great job keeping the politics out.
0: <laughs> you just gotta. It's all about winning, guys. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, but what I one of the things I wanted to talk about uh, is the ways in which like and this is something we talked about in our previous episode the diesel royal rumble right it's like a definitive royal rumble the austin royal rumble the flair royal rumble all these definitive royal rumbles that are uh, like highlighted by a specific performer and i feel like that you could you have tons of bad royals and you have these uh, all these things throughout history where it, it, like you have to climb a mountain metaphorically to get to the top i feel like the royal rumble in the in the same way that the super bowl does kind of like Changes the way in which not just you're remembered in a broader like career sense, but like your victory in a given game or in a given Royal Rumble is so constructed around our understanding of previous narratives. Like we scrutinize everything at the Royal Rumble and the Super Bowl at such a level that we understand the ways in which this super Bowl, one Super Bowl or Royal Rumble performance is different. Those performances, even if they're just standard good performances, get this elevated status because of where they happened in a way that you don't necessarily. You could have the best nfc championship game and the team that you play in the nfc championship game could be way better than the team you play in the super bowl there's just this heightened idea of like this is definitive thing that it's important you do well in with the royal rumble you also have that and and the wrestlemania to a certain extent where like this the gravitas of the event affects how your story is told and if you win any good or bad thing that happens ends up in service of that narrative and it's the same thing for the rumble the actual event itself and the gravitas of the event itself can shape the narrative where like you could throw three interceptions but if you throw the game winning touchdown you had a great game well think
2: about colin kaepernick you know he was halftime in the super bowl winning it all a totally non-suspicious blackout occurs in the middle of uh, the super bowl kaepernick's team then loses and now people will use that as a justification for why he shouldn't play. I could see of no other reason why he would not be having a current NFL job. He did not deliver on the biggest stage the same way, uh, you know, who can't win the big rumble of uh, Elias Sampson. You know, you're not going to elevate him to the <laughs> to the top of the chuck. So totally, it, it, all that matters is people remember how you finish. You, you talked about on the last episode, the big guys, Kane, You know, he throws out the most, but he doesn't win it at the end. So you don't think about him. You think about Stone Cold standing there at the end all those years in a row. You don't think about what, it's not how you start. Yeah.
0: And, and I think for you as like a, a Dave is a 49ers fan or a a casual 49ers fan at this point. Oh, sorry, Dave.
1: (laughs) It's all right. It was, I had a strong childhood.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I think for you do look at that. And I think that if, Kaepernick wins that Super Bowl his entire career trajectory is different because he's a Super Bowl winning quarterback he's much more undeniable than a guy that despite the fact that he played extraordinarily well in that Super Bowl isn't remembered as like uh, an important quarterback for that. He's remembered for other things that we can't really remember what they're about, but it's, he did something and that's why he's not playing. And, and, and you seem to think it's the Super Bowl performance. And quite frankly, I'm inclined to agree. Uh, but I think that there are things that happen where like that entire playoffs Colin Kaepernick was on fire but since he didn't win the Super Bowl he can now be discarded where if he had had that like look at Joe Flacco as the the example the uh, the counter example Joe Flacco sucks he had one good <laughs> playoffs and since they won he gets a hundred million dollar contract like that's the difference there and there are other reasons why Colin Kaepernick didn't get a hundred million dollar contract obviously but that The the gravitas of these events of the royal rumble of wrestlemania are things that you just by performing well can erase a lot of things and even if you performed well in other instances they don't matter because of the gravitas of the event and i don't necessarily think that's good how do you feel about that dave
1: well i can tell you that like i saw it firsthand with kaepernick that was actually a time where about every five years i get pretty into football for like a year and a half and then i don't watch it at all for the subsequent three and a half years so that was like during one of my hot streaks and the thing that just really shocked me was that kaepernick had this like great run and then like as you guys said right the game didn't get closed out whatever happened happened Uh, and then the next year, like even in the preseason, like I remember watching pretty closely or like when they got in the first couple weeks, it was very evident that they'd like re-schemed everything away from what he had done. That was so dynamic in those playoffs. And all of a sudden he was like Peyton Manning, all of a sudden he was like Mr. Pocket passer, which he was like, not good at that. You know, like I would have rather seen them come run some like stupid college offense to try to maximize what he was good at than what they did. And it just felt like. He, they were like, well, you see what that kind of game gets you. It'll get you to the Super Bowl, but you can't win it. And then they just immediately were just like, no, no, no. We're going to completely change the whole playbook and slow everything down and destroy everything that's special about Colin Kaepernick. So I, I agree with your basic premise, Nick, that, uh, that, that you can overestimate people on these stages. It's like the WWE one, right? It's like uh, Ultimo Dragon one of the best wrestlers in the world for 15 years already at the time. First time he's making an entrance, he slips on his cape and falls, and Vince doesn't have anything for him. You know what I mean? Like, same same, deal to me. And Mark,
0: as a sports writer and somebody who wrote a decent amount of game stories, correct? You wrote a game stories at the Philadelphia Inquirer?
2: Yeah, a ton of them.
0: What is more important, I guess, for you as someone who wrote game stories? Is it the great performance or is it the winning and losing or is it a combination of the two interacting with each other?
2: I mean, in a platonic ideal, it's the, it's the two interacting. But when you're dealing with the realities of Deadline and the newspaper and you're telling people what happened, the top of your story is going to be who won, not the uh, the nuanced performance. It, and then, and that's how history is written by this, uh, by the reporting of, of what happened and what happened. Plain and simple is who won. In this case, it wasn't Colin Kaepernick. It was
0: Baltimore Ravens. And Joe Flacco, the greatest quarterback of our lifetime, Joe Flacco. Uh, and I, I feel like for the Super Bowl in particular, it's such a culmination of things that and it's our love of football it's our love of commercialism to be honest like i think you, you hear that a lot like oh people just watch for the commercials but that's like a real thing people just watch because they're interested in the commercials and want to know the commercials like there's all of these things that happen outside of it that happen because we have framed the super bowl as like the definitive cultural event for americans and i i feel like that like intrinsic value that it has is tied so weirdly to the intrinsic value of it being the championship for our most popular sport and i feel like because of that you get all of these like you get so much coverage of it that the the game story becomes solidified as legend almost instantaneously right like you because that is the premier event for sports in america for the most part and maybe save like a really good olympic performance in america in a given year it's always going to be the super bowl that we have like it is the wwe way of storytelling but it is done almost as like a market like a result of the market of ideas pushing out this narrative mark is there any for you like thing that you do when you write a game story about a big event or when you wrote game stories about big events that you found yourself doing to avoid falling into the cliche narratives of that event or did you just kind of like go with the flow
2: i mean if you've ever read me you know i pretty much am a cliche guy (laughs) i lean on It's hard not to fall into the narrative. You try to look at the moment, you try to realize, take it into context and and find that moment that specifically stands out. But it's hard not to, you know, when you're looking at that moment, it's hard not to look at Nick Foles standing on the float next to Mickey Mouse and saying he's going to Disney World and, and Tom Brady slumping his shoulders and going home to kiss his dad and realizing that all that mattered is that this one quarterback won and the other one lost. So... I think I agree with you.
0: That idea of the winners and losers is why, for me, and this is something Dave and I talked about is the Super Bowl closer for you to the Royal Rumble? Or WrestleMania. Because for me, it's closer to the Royal Rumble and not just time wise, like construct wise. Like it is the definitive event on the calendar of accomplishment. Like it is the definitive accomplishment for me as a wrestling fan. The guy that wins the Royal Rumble, whether or not they're the best, like whether or not they main event WrestleMania, won the championship, like the Grand Slam almost. I don't know how to describe it specifically, but it's just this idea that winning the Royal Rumble means. Means to me more intrinsically than winning the main event at WrestleMania, but I feel like the Super Bowl has its both WrestleMania and the Royal Rumble in the sense it's the end of this major tournament, but it's also like a game defined entirely by spectacle. Like, do you see when you think about the Super Bowl, do you judge? Performers, as somebody who spends a lot of time, like you do, you play fantasy football, not anymore, but you used to. So, someone that, right? I'm not crazy,
2: yeah. No, I was obsessed with it, that's why I had to stop. It's making me depressed every Sunday. You know, you want to kill yourself.
0: (laughs) Do you define the quality of players by their Super Bowl performance, maybe not Super Bowl victories, right? But Super Bowl performances and playoff performances, like does that heightened? Event feel change the way that like even watching them let's say Nick Foles week to week like uh, or or Carson Wentz week to week or Eli Manning like does Eli Manning I guess this would be uh, the best way to ask it is Eli Manning an elite quarterback to you because of his Super Bowl performances or having watched Eli basically your entire adult life do you realize he's Eli Manning?
2: Well, yeah, that's I mean that's exactly it and that's exactly the guy you, you Eli Manning is. If you watch him day in and day out, objectively not a Hall of Famer, but his results on the field, even if you put in these two great games he yet. However, in the story that we're telling of football, he's one of the greatest of all time because he won two of the greatest Super Bowls of all time. And as a Giants fan, I would never give that up. I like... You know, you could watch this guy throw a thousand interceptions over and over again. But those two Super Bowls, I can, I, I think, and I think I can compare this because I grew up a Yankee fan, is more satisfying than watching Tom Brady. Because that was two of the coolest games to ever happen in the history of football. So in, in that regards, the Super Bowl absolutely defines the narrative of how we're looking at people in, in terms of quarterbacks. I, I don't... Like you were talking about fantasy football at first and like there was a a tweet going around this week, where I I believe I might be making this up. Someone was saying Julian Edelman was better than Calvin Johnson. And it's like, yeah, Julian Edelman is in the Super Bowl a lot, but I wouldn't you're you're losing your mind if you're going to say that guy's better than Calvin Johnson. Ask anyone who plays fantasy football or watches it from week to week.
0: And I think that's an important thing. To understand about the Super Bowl, Tim Smith, right? I think Timothy Smith had the all-time rushing record. Back when the Super Bowl was the most important football game and not the most important television event in the entire country, guys like that became like fun legends. And now if you win a Super Bowl in the modern era, I feel like it completely changes the construct. Like, the scaffolding upon which your entire legacy is built. Like, winning a Super Bowl, you will no longer have, like, um, Jeff Hodsteadler. Beanie, (laughs) if that guy won a Super Bowl, and I know that this is a weird example, but, like, the Eagles, it's weird for us with the Eagles because they have Carson Wentz and they have Nick Foles, and Nick Foles is, like, a really good postseason he is like that old school version of just like no we're gonna give the job to Carson Wentz because it's Carson Wentz's job Hostetler
2: is the absolutely perfect analogy and if that if Hostetler had won the Super Bowl last year we would absolutely know the size of his genitals just like we do to Nick Foles but because he did it back (laughs) in the day I don't know how big uh Jeff Hostetler's genitals are do you
0: with Jeff Hostetler's dick that's what we were talking about right i didn't there. know if we were allowed to, yeah i didn't know if we were allowed to say dick that's why i kept saying general. yeah uh with jeff had dick obviously you're uh, joking a little bit but like that's because at that time this like i said the super bowl was the most important football game it wasn't the most important television show but it's we separate ourselves from like the we separate the way we engage with narrative into like streaming these things that are like pre-made and pre-packaged and shown to us and then everything is like sent to us in an algorithm where like we are seeking out the narratives of these games of these shows and you see that in the in the way that that like the ratings for the Super Bowl have went up almost exponentially but also in the way that like the Royal Rumble this year is at Chase Field and it's never be, it was at the Alamo Dome in 1997, but it's never been like, it is finally reaching the, the WrestleMania reached this, I'm going to say 10, 12 years ago after a low period where they were appearing in arenas like the pond uh, in Anaheim, California. Um, like those kinds of things, we have become so thirsty or hungry or however you want to put it, insatiable for a kind of like, Narrative that is constructed in front of us in a live setting that it is changed the, the, the like scrutiny on the stuff we're watching. Like the reason, you know, everything about Nick Foles is because we need to produce content. And the only things that permeate the like membrane of the internet are things that are like already attached to legacy ideas that are like from the monoculture and that's basically what like the Super Bowl is is it's like one of the remaining things that survived the breakdown of the monoculture is the Super Bowl and you see that with like the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania to a lesser extent that like we have constructed these things so that the spectacle of them now is matched by the actual spectacle of them is matched by the hype before the spectacle, WrestleMania was the biggest show every year, right? And they, it was the most important show, but some years they'd have it at like the pond at Anaheim or in Hartford, Connecticut. And there'd be 12,000 people there. That's not like a important thing, no matter how many times you tell me And the same thing with like the shitty teams. And this is less the fault of, the NFL, but like you had the shitty teams like did anybody really watch the Chargers fucking 49ers Super Bowl? They beat them by 23 points. They blew them out of the water. Like you had in the 90s this like idea of these are the best games ever and in 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 the 80s it happened too you're like these are the best games ever and then you actually are forced to watch them and you're like no they're terrible we're like modern super bowls because the way that the game is set up and the parody in the league because of things like the rules and of things like the salary cap have now made it so like the games are actually exciting which is like a huge change from when we were growing up right mark
2: Actually, yeah, I agree with you completely because I like to tell myself I don't like the Super Bowl because I can remember distinctly one those Chargers and the some of the Brett Favre Super Bowls that you're talking about, but then also the the Colt Bears Peyton Manning Super Bowl and the Peyton Manning versus Panthers Super Bowl. Yeah. Those are the only two boring Super Bowls, really, since the Super Bowl has become – And that, that's fascinating. I hadn't thought about that. I, I absolutely agree with you. We
0: well, you almost don't know what to do with it. It's almost like – and you, we brought this up earlier. The, the Baltimore Ravens-San Francisco 49ers Super Bowl is crazy in part because that was a close game that that happened in, right? It wasn't like – it was a complete blowout, and that's the only thing that excite, exciting that happened. Or, like, the 20 coming back from 28 down 28 3, or whatever it was in the Super Bowl between the Falcons and the Patriots. Like, I remember driving my dad home because the Patriots were down by so much. And by the time I got home from dropping him off, the Patriots had basically tied the game. And, like, it almost feels like the su- they have figured out a way to make the Super Bowl like actually live up to the hype, basically become like a professional wrestling kind of spectacle without cheating per se. You know what I'm saying? They just... Well, I mean, it's the Patriots
2: who cheated. So no <laughs> so one uh, to us to that.
0: No, I meant the, I mean, in the larger, I know you're busting my uh, chops no. because I'm a Tom Brady believer, but I mean more the NFL yeah. and the larger like, entity has made it so that the game almost by like sheer way that the league is constructed is a much closer game year to year on average than it used to be because it's not like oh well the fucking 49ers have the five best players in the league and other than John Elway and John Elway's trying to beat a team that's orders of magnitude better than him. It's like the Patriots are playing the Rams and they're both good teams that are playing under the same rules that everybody else is playing against. And because of that, you get these better stories that are then fed into the mechanism that the previous spectacle of the show had already built up and i think that's the case with wrestlemania is like you have a bunch of really great performers but at the same time you also have the spectacle and the stage to present them on and i I think that's what you've seen in the last like 10 years
2: well yeah and i think it's even more like wrestling than we might think because yes we have that spectacle but we also may have you know you have the patriots which are this heel character, essentially, that has been in literally half of the Super Bowls for the last two decades. And almost every single one of these classic Super Bowls we're talking about, with the exception of the 49ers Ravens, which is possible that some sort of billionaire, even maybe Donald Trump, went back in time, <laughs> shut off the power in the middle of halftime to make sure that Colin Kaepernick never won a Super Bowl and discredit him. <laughs> so uh, these great Super Bowls may be... You know, it's just like wrestling. Wrestling's not fake. Like, yeah, it's about predetermined. You know, <laughs> so we might say that there's a little bit of that in, in the Super Bowl. How
0: do you feel about that, Dave? Do you think the Super Bowl is predetermined?
1: Uh I feel like you know what, like the Robert Kraft losing his wife, and then and then, and then I don't know. That seems like that seems like too good a story. I'm, I'm being swayed.
0: <laughs> i think we've broken a big story here guys um but uh, and then you get these daniel bryan moments of eli manning completing the
2: most ridiculous catch of all against time an and, undefeated
0: and, team yeah <laughs> it's uh,
2: it's a little too convenient lately and then they throw a couple duds like the uh peyton manning cam newton in there every once which is a lot like triple h uh, standing tall at, at 40 at the end of something um but just to keep us guessing, to make us think it's not fake.
1: <laughs> no, you know what? Maybe now, like looking back through this lens, like everybody made such a big deal out of like Spygate, but maybe like they weren't. Like maybe that was an agreed upon thing that the league just couldn't cop to. It's like you know what I'm saying. Maybe everybody gets some film, and everybody knows what's going on, but like they just got caught that one time. Someone decided to speak up and blow the whistle. So you know the the Pats had to be the good soldier and and pretend like it was just them and take the fall down. And just like all these year, years later, the the picture's becoming more clear.
2: (laughs) And Tom Brady is a good hand. Tom Brady is a good
1: (laughs) hand. Uh, The other thing, and we
0: kind of hit on this, the reason the Super Bowl works and Super Bowl commercials in particular are important and performing the Super Bowl halftime show is important is because, like I said, it's the biggest show for the biggest thing in America, where I feel like for wwe and wrestlemania wrestlemania wants to get to that where people want to be on wrestlemania because it's a big stage for them where wrestlemania is now is that they need people to come to the show to make them seem like bigger deals and i guess my question with that and this is this is for dave is how do you turn up the spectacle without In other words, turn up the spectacle where it feels like a Super Bowl without separating itself from the gravitas of the world title match. Like, how do you make the world title match? And I think they're coming close maybe this year with like, Ronda's a huge star and she's a really good performer. Like, how much do you think uh, an organization like WWE, or even let's go with Wrestle Kingdom, like how important to you is the quality of the match relative to the stakes and importance of the match and the star power in the match when you're talking about something like a WrestleMania, like, and for the Super Bowl, is it more important that you have like two teams you kind of know and they may not be your favorite team, but like, you know what you're getting and they're, you know, big stars or do you want the best possible game for your Super Bowl or for your WrestleMania? Uh,
1: I'm going to come at your question a little sideways here rather than answering it directly. And first of all, I think that like, With the Super Bowl, I mean, it really, like, almost doesn't matter. Like, if the game is a great game, that's cool. But even if it's not, there's always, like, a memorable moment. And, like, Mark was saying before, like, somebody always won. But, like, independent of the game, like, I think the Super Bowl just is the Super Bowl. And and whatever happens in the game is whatever happens in the game. Like, the game has almost become the pretext to have the Super Bowl you know what I'm saying more than the super bowl is even the championship I think to me um but I I think that that's what Vince McMahon has always wanted like that's his vision for wrestling that's what since the 80s he's been trying to create is where the emphasis is on production and is on spectacle and is about creating something that feels legitimate because it's a culturally big deal like back in the day the promoters used to fight to make wrestling feel legitimate as a sport but Vince like wants you not to think about the sports part at all like Just think about the platform. Don't think about the actual sport part of it. So it's like, I think the Super Bowl embodies perfectly like what Vince has always wanted so bad and it's so funny or apt or ironic, whichever word you want to throw in there. That, that, like, he's getting into football now. You know what I'm saying? It, it really does feel like the legitimacy of the NFL and the legitimacy of the Super Bowl, like, that's the dragon that Vince has always been chasing. So, that's my crosswise answer to your question.
0: No, that's a great way to put it. For somebody, Mark, who is more of a casual fan than we are, I mean, like, you watch a lot of wrestling uh, and you kind of watched it when you were younger, right? Yeah. Uh, so, did you see like what was happening from afar? Was it one of those things where you're like, oh shit, now they do it in a, like they have this WrestleMania in a stadium or was it always just like, it's wrestling? Like it, it, it just, the whatever, like I'll watch it if it's on, but like did them becoming a bigger deal make you more interested in the product at all? Or, is it, or like catch your eye and make you like read a story about them? Or is it one of those things where you were either in or you were out?
2: I- peeked my head up a little when it was in the Superdome and Giant Stadium back to back, especially just Giant Stadium in March. Same reason Giant Stadium for a Super Bowl or whatever's called now MetLife Stadium for a Super Bowl it makes you pick up your head because it's just so not what you're expecting. But what, what really got me back in is the Royal Rumble. Like what you were saying is the casual, it was the, the ca- it's the thing for the casual viewers. And it was the meta-narrative surrounding Roman Reigns. That was the thing I couldn't ignore even more than anything else about the spectacle I just heard people complaining about Roman Reigns culminating in that Royal Rumble in Philly when he got the rock booed and I sat there and watched it. And because there was enough people that I was casually familiar with, you know, enough returns, you know, Bubba Ray Dudley is in there to keep me going. I was in from wrestling there. And I, you know, I, I think I had, I wrote down five guys who interest me. I asked you after, what's the deal with Seth Rollins? What's the deal with the Miz, you know, and you told me, and then I had a few guys and I went from there. So it's the Royal Rumble that, Which is the point you were making earlier that really gets casual fans more so than WrestleMania no matter what – because I have friends come over now and watch WrestleMania. It's the biggest spectacle. It bores the hell out of them. You're not going to get someone to watch the – Super to get into wrestling through WrestleMania, but you can do it through the Rumble.
0: Yeah, and I think that's what is – because the importance is intrinsic to – the rumble where we are told the wrestlemania is that wrestlemania is a big deal therefore it is a big deal and the royal rumble is a big deal because it's a cool thing that you don't get to see that often it's like if they had a wrestlemania if they had a royal rumble at every single pay-per-view it wouldn't be that big of a deal but they have and dave i think you can speak to this wrestlemania is just a super show like the wrestlemania itself is not like a like groundbreaking idea per se, right?
1: No, especially not in the stadium era, like you were just talking about a minute ago. Like, I think it just feels like the biggest, most blown out wrestling show possible. But like, in terms of feeling like a culmination, you know, or something that's definitely going to be the most balls to the wall show in terms of work, in terms of the fans getting what they want, et cetera, et cetera. Like I don't really think it is those things anymore.
0: The Royal Rumble hasn't replaced it as that. It's not close to being as big a deal as WrestleMania in terms of popularity, but it has for, I believe, uh, smart fans for lack of a better term, it has become kind of our WrestleMania in the sense that like, we're probably going to get a couple of good matches where could probably We know for a fact that the matches themselves will be not just interesting for a WrestleMania, like not just WrestleMania matches, right? We might just see like a really great match because it's not trying to live up to being a WrestleMania match. It is trying to be a very good pay-per-view match where like WrestleMania matches, part of the problem, quote unquote, with WrestleMania matches is that they become WrestleMania matches. They're not allowed to exist as in the same way that, like, if you throw a bad interception in a Super Bowl, that's now a bad interception for like one of the worst interceptions of all time. In the same way that, like, the Kevin Owens Chris Jericho match that's not that great from a couple of years ago is like Kevin Owens' worst match because. such a big stage like the stage of wrestlemania has dwarfed the actual matches to such a level that any of the nuance any of the actual story that you want to get from them you actually can get from the royal rumble because the pressure of being on that stage isn't as significant it's just a royal it's just another pay not just another pay-per-view but it's it's the beginning of the road to wrestlemania it isn't the it's Like, if you take your kids to Disney World and they have a shitty time, it's bad because it's Disney World. It's like you have to, if you have a bad match at the Royal Rumble, it doesn't stain you for the rest of your life. Where if you have a shitty match at at WrestleMania, it feels like that's going to stick with you. And, And I think Roman Reigns is the perfect example of just like had a bunch of bad rumbles, but we kind of are okay. We've reached the point where we're okay with him in the Rumble as an important character because we understand like we gave it time. We understand he's good he's talented we're like we don't want to see him in the main event because we understand as a collective what it means when a guy or girl is the main event of wrestlemania and and i feel like that's the biggest problem is wrestlemania wants to be the royal rumble intrinsically but it is not at all the royal rumble because everything is just constructed in terms of its importance where the rumble is actually an accomplishment the elimination chamber is an actual accomplishment money in the bank are actual accomplishments being the main event of wrestlemania is not an accomplishment it's a thing that is a sign it's an assignment more than anything
1: yeah i think to 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 dive into mark's uh, other area of expertise as a published author i think what you're speaking to is the idea that the, the the Royal Rumble is the chase, like the Royal Rumble is where all the rising action occurs, and then WrestleMania is the climax. And if you're if you're really someone who's into a certain genre, and WrestleMania is very much genre fiction, like like a fantasy story or like mystery or you know it's very much genre fiction
2: or like kaboom and kaboom 2 available from mouse house books where everywhere books are sold it's
1: like the royal rumble is the chase the royal rumble is the rising action and then wrestlemania is the climax and it's like when you're when you're in that like genre fiction space i think that's like the truth like when i think of uh kaboom your novel mark it's like i i didn't want it to end in the sense that like every chapter or every page has kind of like all these great moments in it all these great funny moments and then like as i got to the end of the book i was just like oh man like the the back side of this book is is getting kind of skinny and i was like really concerned about how things were going to come together because i was like man the The middle of this book has been so good, which is not a thing you say often. So I I think that that's kind of similar to the, the Rumble WrestleMania thing. I think it's like the rising action in stories is what people are into. Like nobody really cares about the part at like Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom after they climb up the broken bridge. You know what I mean? It's like that last act, even if it's where things culminate, it's not necessarily always where, like, the best stuff is, especially in genre fiction. And I'm not saying the ending of Kaboom wasn't excellent because it was, but I'm just saying I was scared because uh, I was scared it wasn't going to live up to kind of the promise of the rising action of the book.
2: Well, yeah, I agree with you totally. And actually, I would extend it to say Kaboom, uh, available from Mass House Books uh, circa 2017, is totally the Royal Rumble Kaboom 2, which will be released uh, this week, uh, wherever books are sold, is the Elimination Chamber. It's getting us on the way to our next. It's changing up the characters, maybe in a way you weren't expecting, maybe in a way you don't want, but you're going to be happy to get there. And then there's WrestleMania, which will be the ultimate Kaboom legacy. Um, and uh, I'm afraid to write it because it, it that's uh, unsatisfying, just like WrestleMania always is. And, you know, I, I agree with that totally. The Royal Rumble, it's the start of everything. It's great. It can't let you down because you still have hope, too. You still have hope in that narrative. It hasn't finished. Even if you don't like the ending, there's still that chance that Roman Reigns is going to get taken down, that Daniel Bryan's going to be introduced into the match before the end. But you know what? Sometimes Daniel brought Triple H comes out on the motorcycle and his wife comes out in weather and, and you think, okay, maybe now I'm rooting for Triple H for some reason. But Roman, Reigns still stands, <laughs> Roman Reigns still stands tall. And and then it's over. And you're like, because I think, I don't know if it's from one of you guys or one of the WrestleDelphia guys who told me that you know WrestleMania is the season finale and 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 I think that's the best way to look at it and that, that could be disappointing
0: it, what's even weirder with WrestleMania especially now and you can ignore Uh, like the greatest Royal Rumble and all of that shit. The thing with WrestleMania now is the raw after WrestleMania is almost more consequential than actual WrestleMania. Like it moves and SmackDown after WrestleMania now, especially when they do like the superstar shakeup, it changes all of the stuff that you've built through the entire year because it's a continuous show and happens every week like the WrestleMania used to be a big deal because it was the last pay-per-view for three months. And it was one that had been built through throughout the year, especially since survive would basically be survivor series, Royal rumble. And you'd have like the regular season, which is survivor series. And you have the playoffs, which is the Royal rumble. And then you have the super bowl, which is WrestleMania. And now, that's changed. It'd be like if they won the Super Bowl, it'd be like Nick Saban. When he wins the NCAA championship, his thing is like, well, I have to get back to work. And it's like, it kind of sucks some of the joy out. Like WrestleMania, the next day, they're just doing another Raw. With the Super Bowl, what's one of the great things about the Super Bowl, and it's, not, it's kind of like the Stanley Cup in the sense, is you get to celebrate the people celebrating their victory in a way that is detached from the narrative that they're in. Right? Like, so I don't have to worry about if, let's say, Tom Brady wins another Super Bowl. I don't have to worry about Tom Brady, like, getting hit with a steel chair by Rob Gronkowski and not being Super Bowl champion anymore. Does that make sense? Where, like, with WrestleMania, I've watched it enough to know that you could win, especially when the Money in the Bank contract was around, you could win wrestle win the main event at WrestleMania and then like the next day you lose your title. That's not a problem per se for the actual show itself, meaning Raw or SmackDown, but it's a problem for WrestleMania. You lose all of the narrative momentum despite the fact that the momentum of wrestlemania is what carries you to the next day and it's because they've made such a big deal about the raw and smackdown after wrestlemania it's like it's not even treated like an after party it's treated like you said it's a season finale they do the season premiere the next day and it doesn't really work i i think it it's a long-term hurt the prestige of
1: wrestlemania what do you think Dave? I, you know what, when you were just describing that kind of like that grind of, you know, they, they build to the season finale, and then the next season starts the next day, it almost reminds me like week to week of the people who do SNL, where it's like, you know, you, you spend the whole week like writing and pitching, and then you transition into workshopping stuff, and then you transition into rehearsing, and you shoot all the pre-tapes, and then Saturday night happens, and you're done at like... 2am and then you all go out and party until dawn and then you get like a day and a half off and have to do it again and it's like when people complain about like oh like snl isn't very consistently funny it's like well yeah how could it be (laughs) like when, (laughs) when those are the conditions that you're working in like you would be burning out even the greatest comedy minds like by a third of the way through the season and i think that that's one of the of problems of the wwe especially like in the last decade maybe now that there's some more competition and some more sort of organic sex appeal in the industry wwe doesn't have to manufacture all of it themselves anymore like maybe that will reignite or or make things special again to to some degree but i i just think that as you said there's like even, even though there's not pay-per-views anymore, there are still fucking 14 pay-per-views a year. Like pay-per-view isn't really a thing anymore, but there are 14 pay-per-views. Like, like, what does that even mean? And I think that one thing that we could kind of, one thing that maybe would take some of that heat off WrestleMania and maybe make it a little better, a little more enjoyable, a little more special again, would be to like rein in some of those other pay-per-views because like wrestlemania looks impressive but it's only like i don't know 25 30 percent more impressive really than your average wwe production whereas the super bowl is a hundred times a bigger production than week two raiders uh, versus seahawks or whoever you know what i'm saying like it- no no, know
0: exactly what you mean that's a really great point is that like the super bowl gets treated like the super bowl and wrestlemania gets treated like the better version of SummerSlam. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> when I was re-watching the 92 Rumble to do our previous Essential Viewing episode, like, I was just literally looking on the network page and being like, man, yeah, like, four or five pay-per-views a year. Like, that feels special.
0: <laughs> yes. Oh, hugely special. And it, there's six, however many, six teams get into the yeah so it's six teams there's 12 teams in the league less than half like 20 teams don't get to the playoffs like when they say playoffs matter or don't matter in other sports like they're what they're talking about is like the nfl model all of those games matter and the super bowl matters the most even if it isn't even if it does share the not necessarily the best team, no offense to your Giants, wins the Super Bowl every year, but they won the most important game unequivocally. Like, that is whether or not your champions are all is also your best team isn't as much of a problem or a question as like is the main event of wrestlemania or to a lesser extent the guy that won the royal rumble your best performer and i feel like the royal rumble has actually done a better job of being like the best guy or the guy that like needs it or deserves it that like shinsuke nakamura winning last year was like a great move asuka winning last year was a great move and what it does is it allows you because again there's they're, they're they're separated from having to perform at the Super Bowl in a traditional sense uh, because it's not WrestleMania. They're allowed to like actually make booking decisions that are fun and interesting in a way that they wouldn't be able to if it was the same idea. And it's kind of like using trick plays in a playoff game. It's like you're, you may not do that during the Super Bowl, but you'll totally do it during the playoff game where you're down by six and it doesn't really matter because you just want to get to the Super Bowl. Like I, I feel like. The soup, the NFL, for all their shittiness, has done a good job of making, by holding steady on the amount of teams in the playoffs and the way that the playoffs are structured and the buys and stuff like that, have actually created... A royal rumble out of a wrestlemania where like wrestlemania wwe wants wrestlemania to be royal rumble and unless they do something about it it never will be and that's where i think you miss that transcendence of wrestlemania being a platform in and of itself and not something that attaches itself to a city for a month and that's or that a week and that city becomes the platform for wrestlemania I'm kind of lapsed fan of both, and I
2: like to think that I like wrestling more, but I'm way more likely to skip WrestleMania this year than the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, because the Super Bowl is an actual thing where, like Dave said at the beginning of the episode, if you don't know who won the Super Bowl, you can't really talk to people about sports because of one of the things people will be like, oh, did you see the Super Bowl? Where, like, if you don't watch WrestleMania and you're a wrestling fan, that doesn't ruin your street cred at
1: all. Well, one thing I'll say really quickly is, like, I told you guys, I'm like a very, 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 very casual fan of football. Like I said, like I I get hot, like for like a year, once every five years, whatever. Uh, But like, I knew uh, without even having to think about it for a freaking second, who won the Super Bowl last year. But to be honest, Nick, until you just said it, I had completely forgotten that Shinsuke Nakamura won the Royal Rumble last year. I mean, like given the follow through, like I I definitely remembered Asuka, no question. But like, it's... It's, it's telling to the, like I said, it's like football's just got that legitimacy that, that Vince has always been chasing so hard, where it's like, you can't show your head as even a casual fan of sports, like you're saying, if you don't know him in the Super Bowl. But even I, who am a pretty freaking hardcore wrestling nerd, listen to a bunch of podcasts, try to dig into the history, et cetera, et cetera, all the stuff that people listen to this show know, like, I forgot that Shinsuke won the royal rumble last year and that's that's a problem that's a that's a that's a marketing problem which is you so correctly said is what the super bowl is so good at so i think
0: we now that we figured out the ways in which super bowl uh royal rumble and wrestlemania have ruined wrestling uh we can go to the question i've been thinking about this entire time um what manager would make the best Super Bowl coach in the history of wrestling? And for Mark, which football coach would make the best wrestling manager?
2: I, I mean, I hate to say this because it's the obvious answer, but it's, it's got to be Bill Belichick. He's a, He is a wrestling character. He's a detestable heel. I mean, I know he doesn't say anything, but that would kind of be his thing. He's just there. He kind of dresses like the Undertaker comes out anyway. And like, but also, and this is a thing that you guys have gotten into in your Jim Cornette episode. I would love to see him get his comeuppance. You know, how much would you want to see? You know, the Eli Manning face powerbomb Belichick through
0: a through a <laughs> table. No, that's a great answer. That's I, I think I would pick. Um, and I'm just using somebody who was in a Super Bowl uh, as a quarter as a coach, and that's Jim Harbaugh. I feel like. Yeah, that's a good answer. Yeah, it would be my <laughs> other answer. And and Dave, for you, do you have a specific manager you think would be a particularly good football
1: coach? Uh, I was thinking of Gary Hart because he wore those like ugly, like checkered, like black and yellow jackets. And that just seems like a like an old school football coach look. So I'm going to go with Gary Hart.
0: Yeah, Gary Hart. Also, he would be the type of he'd be like the guy that did Bounty Gate. Like, like that would oh, be yeah, his yeah, idea. Like,
1: <laughs> he'd be like, "Brother, brother, if they put their hands on you in the huddle, you cut them to ribbons, brother." He'd be like, he'd be like making blades for every all the linemen.
0: <laughs> yeah, he is high like, cop shit. Yeah, he is the definitive like uh, goon heel manager for me. Where like like Paul Jones has his moments, but like Gary Hart is just like a a goon looking dude who feels. Best yeah who just feels like he would make other people do goon shit um my choice uh of course is coach actually is is mr perfect's former brief time manager or the genius because i feel like the genius would be like josh mcdaniels but without the pretentious baggage uh so yeah that would that would be my choice is the genius
1: I wish you told me you were going to do Lanny Poffo. I would have written a poem in
0: celebration. <laughs> uh, so now that we've uh, done all that, uh, Mark, did you have anything in particular you want to plug? I know you do. So the floor is yours.
2: Yeah. So like I said, um, this is kind of the Royal Rumble of books and that it's the best. You were mentioning the monoculture earlier, the things that are still in the monoculture, the Super Bowl, WrestleMania, and books about Weatherman. Kaboom 1, um, it's available wherever books are sold. But by that, I mean Amazon. And then Kaboom 2 will be out this week. Both very funny. I encourage everyone to read them. Rate, review, subscribe, all of that. Donate to the Patreon.
0: Did you have a Patreon?
2: (laughs) I'm thinking about it.
0: (laughs) Uh, And you also are on Twitter at... I don't know how to pronounce it. Coolmark69. Oh, you're at Coolmark69 on Twitter? (laughs) Really? I'm at, I'm at mark masick on twitter
2: you can find me m-a-c-y-k it's uh you find me when you want me
0: yeah
1: um and dave where can they find you on the internet oh, that would be at dave Writes junk on twitter i don't do any of those other social media platforms so you know those are all parody imitation accounts um, i'm trying to get my my lawyer a little more active with sending some letters to those folks trying to clear that up as soon as possible for everybody but i'm only on Twitter, uh, all those other David Gibb accounts on like Instagram and Facebook and stuff. Those are just people trying to piggyback off of the huge success of this show for their their own selfish purposes. So accept no substitutes. Follow me on Twitter at DaveWritesJunk. Uh, read the stuff that I write about wrestling on the Wrestling Estate, and make sure to give us your money uh at patreon.com slash hwetw you don't have to be one of the greatest heroes in the history of our sport like henry branson or michael montalbo uh but you can for a mere 2.99 a month uh, be a extra special sexy wizard with uh access to all sorts of great perks which are only getting better in the future i'll admit that i'm a little behind uh on the follow-up files for patrons i apologize i have been super swamped uh in the opening weeks of 2019 just with kind of uh my own professional work. Uh, but I will be hitting the grindstone uh, on those and should have them to you very, very soon uh, in uh, in reasonable time. So I definitely want to make sure that we have notes out there, especially for the big uh, season premiere, Arne Anderson Spectacular.
0: Yeah, the Arne Anderson extravaganza with double A. And you can check me out at the next err. That's T-H-E-N-1 C K S D R. You can check us out at how wrestling You can also rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and the Google Play Store. Uh, we will be changing that up when the podcast Beyond comes out, which will be we are trying to figure out when will we be premiering. Um, we will probably be doing uh, supplemental episodes to explain what the hell's going on before we actually do the show. Yeah, so that that's something you have to look forward to. Other than that, uh, check out Kaboom uh, 2, K2B22M uh, on Amazon. The two, the two, boom. Yes, what Dave said. Uh, and uh, yeah. did you have anything you wanted to add before we go, Mark?
2: No, it was an honor to be here. I wanted to be on the show since I was a little kid, so I really appreciate this. We're excited! I hope you guys are excited. And as Dez said, let's let them hear it all the way down to Atlanta. We're still here! We're
1: still here! We're still here! We're still here! We're still here! here. Alright. Oh, yeah! Here among the poor
2: sad, despicable, oppressive missing. To find your tongue, take your